<laughs> do you guys listen to your podcast on 1x speed or do you speed them up i speed them up 1x all the time 1x all the time yeah because for you me it's about faster. for me it's about having something to listen to and if yeah. i listen to it faster then i have less podcasts running out of yeah yeah we've had this discussion before about the right way to do it is to listen at it to it at 1.15 or whatever <laughs> so everyone's talking a little slower but you get the same amount of laughs and you also get to finish washing your dishes without having to endure the silence of a podcast being over Hey everyone listening on 2x speed right now, why are you rushing to your death? Uh, also, people listening to this at 2x speed, have you noticed that <laughs> Enya sounds a lot like Julie Cruz? We have our guest on the podcast, Chandler. You weren't going to let the, the calm silence. <laughs> Send tweets. That's the other thing I used to do with these podcasts was edit out dead air, which mm -hmm. I now do only in the most egregious circumstances. Oh, man. You've got uh, at least two egregious circumstances in this one. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I used to be like, I used to have so much respect for our guests that I would edit out every little bit of them trying to think of something to say so that ostensibly the final result would be that everyone sounds really smart and is saying all these really thing smart things off the cuff. Oh, man. So our earlier guests just sound more erudite and prepared. They do. And mm -hmm. I still, if you say, uh, then I edit that out. And so actually there are a lot of people in the entire Titans catalog who in real life don't really know what they're going to say. Uh, are, sound like me uh, trying to uh, describe things in an intelligent manner. But you will never know. You'll never know. Also, I was pretending right there. I'm always smart. Hey! Yes. Always smart. Never mean. Never mean? Never mean, especially not to our wonderful guest Chandler Groover, who has brought the game Midnight Period Sword Fight Period. Segway. Yes, that is sitting right here with its little cursor blinking. Now, Jenny, oh. before we yeah. let Chandler talk more, is yeah. there any kind of uh, joke that you would like to make about menstruation? Uh, relating to the title of this game at all? Oh, because of the periods? Yes. It had not occurred to me. Um, I'm gonna go. I, I think I'm okay. Okay. Actually, yeah. Thank Just, you. Okay. Thank you for asking. Sure thing. Well, I think before we start this, I should 
read off the uh, blurb. Okay. Because it is a content warning. And I, at the time, I was not thinking of putting it into the actual intro text because I had assumed everyone would be reading it mm. on the competition site. Now I know better. Um, mm. But it says, Midnight, sword fights, a fool receives a challenge from a countess. Violence, sex, profanity, sausage. <laughs> sausage? Hold the phone. We can't play this. There might be children listening. There, if there are, this is their, their chance to bail. Just realized when I checked this out before, I did not get to the sex or the sausage. You Ooh. didn't. So. Uh-oh. There will be a lot of bleeping in this, okay. in this episode. Oh, good. Can you bleep every instance of the word sausage? Um, I people. It's so easy to like look it up and find out that the word we were bleeping so hilariously was just sausage. So I don't think I'll do that. You That's know, one thing thought, that though. I really, uh, one thing that I really appreciated was when you made that um, that tweet where I had the good idea, and you you blurred out my good idea. You mm -hmm. also blurred out some completely irrelevant completely unrelated was, yeah yeah that that sounds like a thing i do <laughs> and you blurred out a thing i do <laughs> that was very funny to me and i didn't share it with twitter because i wanted to preserve the joke which is now unpreserved for completely unpreserved ruined well this game uh yes it, it gets pretty crude in some okay. parts so love it fair warning um yeah did you want to just start have you played interactive fiction before that's the first thing it says have we played interactive fiction before ryan you've never really played interactive fiction unless you've uh, let's say yes yes okay yeah, this game has a limited action system. All the verbs you can use at any given time will be listed in the play script kept in your inventory, which you can consult with. Examine play script. Others aren't likely to work, and guessing verbs isn't necessary. However, it may help to double-check the play script under different circumstances to see what actions are available. That will show you the credits. And... Midnight Sword Fights. A Folly by Chandler Groover, release two, serial number 161106, inform seven build 6M62, I6V6.33, live 6 slash 12N. Pretty good banner text. Yeah. This is a pretty recent inform version. Is it? I, I don't know them well enough. This is what did it say? The serial number was six, six. It's from 2016. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, anyway, it's as recent <laughs> as it is. In the yeah. scheme of this podcast, it's, uh... it's pretty recent. Yeah. On the stroke. How did you ever get into this predicament? A rumor, a glove thrown down onto a dance floor. Now you're standing in the moonlight, and your knees are knocking together. 
although you hope that no one notices. You're still dressed for a masquerade and nothing feels quite real, but it must be real. The scene is set, landscape garden. The cast, your second, Ferdinand, handing your weapon over. Your rival, second, Onegin, handing her weapon over. And your rival, the Countess. On guard, the Countess cries. Look at the play script. X play script. Scene. Landscape garden. Midnight. A fool engages a countess in a sword fight, in which the fool loses, and the countess achieves her revenge. Stage directions. Inventory. Examine. Attack. Kiss. The countess is suddenly there, only inches away. A clash is ringing in your ears, and you can see your own sword sailing out over the garden. More importantly, you can feel her sword sinking into your stomach. Revenge, she whispers in your ear, is always sweeter than forgiveness. Curtain. But the curtain can be raised again. Oh, so consulting, is... consulting the play script counts as an action, apparently. <laughs> yes, yeah, so now you okay. start again. Good to know. On the stroke. How did you ever get into this predicament? A rumor, a glove thrown down onto a dance floor. Now you're standing in the moonlight and your knees are knocking together, although you hope that no one notices. You're still dressed for a masquerade and nothing feels quite real. But it must be real. The scene is set, landscape garden. The cast, your second, Ferdinand, handing your weapon over. Your rival, second, Onegin, handing her weapon over. And your rival, the Countess. On guard, the Countess cries. This, is, this sounds like as good at a time as any to kiss a Countess. Sure. Kiss, Countess. You cast aside your weapon. You cannot fight the Countess. This feud is a mistake. Instead, you walk across the lawn toward her. She must see it in your eyes. She must know how you feel. Perhaps she even has the same feelings? Apparently not, because what you get is her rapier plunged into your mouth. <laughs> uh. Plunging until your lips are oh. pressed in onto its hilt. At least you got to kiss something. Curtain. <laughs> but the curtain can be raised again. Okay, I'm impressed that she was able to uh, stab through our skull like that. Yeah, she's she's quite formidable. On the stroke. <laughs> How did you ever get into this predicament? <laughs> I don't know. A rumor? Know. A glove thrown on onto a dance floor? <laughs> now you're standing in the moonlight and your knees are knocking together. Although you hope that no one notices. You're still dressed for a masquerade and nothing feels quite real. Perhaps it isn't real. The scene is set, landscape garden. The cast your second, Ferdinand, handing your weapon over. Your rival second, Onegin, handing her weapon over. And your rival, the Countess. On guard, the Countess cries. Okay, maybe attacking her would be a better move. Attack, Countess. You lunge towards the Countess with your cutlass. Initiative should matter during a duel, shouldn't it? But then there is a clash and you find your blade scraping the Countess's rapier as she drives back you back with a parry. Sparks fly from your feuding swords. You are both dancing over the lawn, back and forth, here and there, and somehow you are still alive. It's unbelievable. But that comes to an end when you make a misstep, and the Countess waltzes right into the opening. How did you get into the air? Why can't you feel anything? And what is your body doing down there without a head? Oh, curtain. But the curtain can be raised again. <laughs> We're really bad at sword fighting, Ryan. 
How I haven't been doing anything. Predicaments. <laughs> a rumor, a glove thrown down onto a dance floor. Now you're standing in the moonlight and your knees are knocking together, although you hope that no one notices. You're still dressed for a masquerade and nothing feels quite real. Perhaps it isn't real. The scene is set, landscape garden, the caster second, Ferdinand, handing your weapon over your rival second, Onyegin, handing her weapon over, and your rival, the Countess, and guard, the Countess cries. Okay, let's check our inventory. Inventory. You're carrying a play script and a cutlass, and you are wearing motley. This is the one move you can take in this section that does not... Wow! I was totally okay. expecting... I was totally expecting to get stabbed after checking the inventory and then doing the thing again where how did you get into the situation? Something about a glove and blah 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 and your knees are shaking. <laughs> so this is a pleasant surprise. Uh, I thought about having it count as one move but I figured it would be too cruel. Yeah. Um, what, was, what was our second option on the play script? It's either... you. Um, Do you want me to inventory or examine or yeah. kiss or oh stab? we better examine something should we examine the countess you can examine the countess examine countess it's probably a bad idea but let's do it the countess cuts a formidable figure with her rapier upraised its point a silver promise in the moonlight her face is partly hidden by a mask her lips a scarlet smile underneath, even encumbered by her outrageous gown, and it is indeed outrageous. You have no doubt that she is the better swordsman, and she seems to have no doubt about it either. She is suddenly there only inches away, a clash is ringing in your ears, and you can see your own sword sailing out over the garden. More importantly, you can feel her sword sinking into your stomach. Revenge, she whispers in your ear, is always sweeter than forgiveness. Curtain, but the curtain can be raised again. I like how you keep saying clash. I think that's Clash. great branding. Clash. Yes. On Love the it. stroke. How'd you ever get into this predicament? A rumor, a glove thrown down onto a dance floor, and now you're standing <laughs> in the moonlight and you're knocking together, although you hope that no one notices. You're still dressed for a masquerade and nothing feels quite real. Oh, maybe right, I am listening real. to this at 1.5 speed. Yeah. <laughs> set, landscape garden, the caster second, Ferdinand, hitting your weapon over your rival second, Onegin, and your weapon over and your rival the Countess, and guard the Countess cries. <laughs> Kiss Ferdinand. Kiss Ferdinand? Yeah. Kiss Ferdinand. I bet he didn't write a response for this. You throw yourself at Ferdinand, kissing her feet. You're prostrated, pleading for her to intervene. You know she could battle the Countess and win with a blindfold wrapped around her eyes. But Ferdinand will not be moved. This is your fight, she says, not mine. She leaves you alone on the lawn with your knees still knocking together. Now you know they're audible, you can hear their caps clatter. When the Countess advances, you do not resist. You're already defeated in your mind, and her rapier plunging into your stomach only confirms what you knew would happen. Curtain. Oh. But the curtain can be raised again. On the stroke. <laughs> How did you ever get into this <laughs> A rumor, a glove thrown down onto a dance floor. Now you're standing in the moonlight and your knees are knocking together, although you hope that no one notices. You're still dressed for a masquerade and nothing feels quite real. Perhaps it isn't real. And all you need to do is wake up from this nightmare. Oh. The scene is set, landscape garden, the caster second, Ferdinand handing your weapon over. Your rival second, Onyegin handing her weapon over. And your rival, the Countess, and guard, the Countess cries. Oh, Chandler's telling us what to do again, Ryan. See, I 
would never tell the player what to do. Or if I did, I would be <laughs> lying. So we should listen to Chandler, the almighty author, and wake up. You don't That's need me. to listen to me. Sure thing. <laughs> yeah, we have agency. Wake up? Is that what you want to do? Apparently. Okay. <laughs> you don't actually need to. But um, if that's your choice, wake up. You open your eyes. Ballroom. On the floor, you can see a white glove where it has been contemptuously thrown down. And expanding outward from this glove, the world takes form. There are dancers surrounding you in a circle, but they are not dancing. They are staring at you and staring at the glove, and their eyeballs never cease staring because they are frozen. There has been some hitch, and time stands still. A chandelier hangs overhead, candles unflickering. Everything is mirrored in the marble floor. Toward the future, you can glimpse the grand staircase, where the Countess is ascending with her back turned after having delivered her challenge. Maybe you ought to try examining your play script. Sure. Examine play script. Scene, ballroom, evening. A fool receives a challenge from a countess and explores various avenues to thwart the countess prior to their duel. Stage directions. Inventory, examine, take, drop, talk to. Future, past, clockwise, counterclockwise. Wear, undress, wake up, and kiss when wearing molly. Wow, this got complicated. Past. Past. Time doesn't bend that way from here. Hmm. I don't think we want to go to the future. Because that's where we died a lot. That's kind of true for everybody, really. Whoa. Right? <laughs> Hope nobody's listening to this podcast on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what we should uh, uh, talk to the countess. Talk to countess. You can't talk to the countess from here. She is in the future. Oh, maybe we should go to the future. <laughs> I guess. I mean, sure. Go future. Go future. Go future. Yeah. Grand Staircase. When you reach the Grand Staircase landing, the Countess is already gone, which is to say that she was never here at this particular moment. Perhaps she just left, or perhaps she's about to arrive. But the salient point is that you're not going to find her. Ferdinand, however, is leaning against a balustrade, her gaze cast toward the dancers in their formations below. She isn't one for dancing herself, unless it's atop freshly slain enemies. Her cutlass, which you will borrow later in your duel with the Countess, is leaning against the balustrade beside her. The ballroom is in the past now, and in the future, you will look behind a polar bear. Uh. Is this the cosmic penguin thing again? This is lost. Mm, oh! I never watched that show. But you remember that there was a polar bear. I do now! In the future. In the future. Okay. Should we try talking to Ferdinand? I, I, we should do whatever you want, but I feel like if we're looking for avenues to escape being murdered, 
<laughs> I think we are. Get rid of that cut list because if there's no cut lists, you can't be in a duel. That's the thing. That is definitely a true fact. Um, okay, Let's talk what to do you want to do first, and then we'll okay. mess with the cutlass. Talk okay. to Ferdinand. You can't talk to Ferdinand. She is paralyzed and will remain paralyzed in this moment. Hmm. I guess this time freeze thing is going to be bad for conversation. Mm. Okay, well, let's oh, mess wait. with the cutlass. Can we kiss her? Huh. Kiss. Ferdinand. You respect Ferdinand far too much to take any liberties with her, even as a joke. There's also the fact that she'd have your head if she ever found out that you'd stolen a kiss. That seems fair to me. I feel like I would end up writing exactly the same paragraph. <laughs> Let's take the cutlass. Take cutlass. When you try to take the cutlass, you feel something resist, and then it occurs to you. There will always need to be some weapon leaning against this balustrade, otherwise you'll be unarmed during your duel later. You'll need yeah, to find a replacement point. and drop it here if you want to remove the cutlass. Okay. Ryan, I just got this idea all by myself that okay. maybe we should find a replacement weapon and drop it where the cutlass is. Hmm. That's so cool how interactive fiction allows you to <laughs> express your own ideas in a world that a, another person creates. It's very cool. Uh, let's go to the future and take the Countess's weapon and switch them. Okay, yeah. the future. Behind a polar bear, Dimitri's... Onyegin is... As the Countess's minion, it is Onyegin's duty to carry her weapon, and right now her rapier is resting nearby on the floor in an opened case. The polar bear itself is at least three meters tall, preserved taxidermically in a perpetual roar with claws outspread, traveling counterclockwise, would reorient you toward the black salon, and the grand staircase is in your past. Is this the sex part? It is. Okay. So, yeah, can we take the rapier? Take rapier. When you try to take the rapier, you feel something resist, and then it occurs to you. There will always, there need, always to need to be some weapon. weapon. <laughs> Otherwise, the Countess <laughs> would be unarmed during your duel. Oh, Which my God. would be so terrible. And drop it here if you want to remove the rapier. Okay, so we need a third weapon. This is like a Towers of Hanoi puzzle. Okay. That's everyone's um, favorite, isn't it? Everyone's favorite. I actually um, came up with a productivity app idea that I kind of want to do, where every time you switch between tabs on your browser, you have to like complete a 15 puzzle or a Towers of Hanoi. I thought you were going to make me move the tabs around like a Towers of Hanoi. <gasps> that would be amazing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think all the tabs are the the same weight so i don't know how to um yes well yeah i don't understand productivity ap applications like this because my solution to this inconvenience in my path is to uninstall the thing right 
So for me, it's a non-issue. But I wish you luck in your development cycle. <laughs> Thanks. Should we try going counterclockwise? Or was there anything else you wanted to do while we're in this very sexualized room? Can we mess with the fornicators? <laughs> you, you, you can try. <laughs> mess with fornicator. Um... What's the play script say? X play script. Scene. Behind a polar bear. Evening. A voyeur observes the liaison and exploits the opportunity to replace a weapon. And then the stage directions are inventory examine, take, drop, talk to. The navigation, future past, clockwise, counterclockwise, wear, undress, wake up, and kiss when wearing Molly. Okay. Um, yeah, we should just go clock whatever the direction was yeah i don't want to kiss on fornicators so go i it is you can go counterclockwise would reorient you toward the black salon and the grand staircase is in your past i really so. want to go counterclockwise because i feel like the black salon is going to be messed up it sounds good yeah okay counterclockwise devil's food cake <laughs> Black sable tapestries hang from the ceiling and walls, and black velvet carpets the floor. Scarlet radiance slants through scarlet window panes. An ebony grandfather clock has stopped keeping the time at one quarter to twelve. There is nobody here. Clockwise, you will look behind a polar bear, and when you glance back toward the past, you can see a celebration in the banquet hall, where everyone has gathered to drink, feast, and make merry. Well, There's nice. nothing in here? I didn't say that. There's quite a few things in here. Hmm, like all. what? Black sable. <laughs> take all. Let's see. Oh, take there's all. a clock. You'll find that taking and dropping things individually is much more precise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, Chandler. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, that guy. Yes, there are black sable tapestries hanging from the ceiling and walls. Black okay. velvet carpets the floor. Scarlet radiance slants through scarlet window panes. An ebony grandfather clock has stopped keeping the time. Yeah, there's radiance. Lick. I don't know if that's <laughs> lick. Radiance. That's not in the play script. Lick. Mm, can we kiss the radiance? Kiss radiance. You leave a few puckered smooches on the window panes like fingerprints. Hey! That's pretty good. I feel accomplished. Um, can we open the clock? Well, it's not in the play script. Oh, you're right. Open clock. That's not in the play script. It's not in the play script, Ryan. Examine the clock? Examine clock. Two long cast iron hands mark the time at one quarter to twelve. <gasps> you think one of these hands is a weapon? Can we take the hands? Take hands. When you remove the cast iron hands from the clock face, they coil and twist in your own hands, black vipers. You drop them on the carpet and they slither away into the shadows. Something stirs in the salon. You aren't alone here. Oh! Okay. We're not alone here, Ryan. Kiss the demon. 
whatever it is. <laughs> Kiss the demon. Uh, you squint but can't see that. So in The Mask of the Red Death, is the guy, the Red Death guy, is he like just a person or is he a supernatural entity? I guess the point is that we don't know. Or it's not in the, the point in the in the Poe story. Yeah, I believe it's not. Well, eventually the costume unravels and there's nobody inside, so it's supposed to just be the. It's a uh, plague in a mask. The plague, yeah, okay. in a mask. I mean, according to Scooby Doo rules, he could have done that with mirrors, and it could just be Old Man Johnson from the tire yard. <laughs> yeah, it was a prototype for Scooby Doo. <laughs> Poe was a genius. Yeah, first first uh, detective, right? Yeah. Invented the detective genre. Yeah, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Scooby-Doo, right there. Yeah. Yeah! Okay. Uh, Good we check podcast the- material. Can <laughs> um, we look? Is that a yeah, thing that we Yeah, I think we, we should look. Do? We should figure out what is in here with us. Yes, you can look, uh, and it is the same description, but <gasps> an ebony grandfather clock tells no time. In one corner slouches the Red Death. Dang! Okay! I Just actually did death. not get this far before. Just hey! Red Death. Kissing the Red Death doesn't seem like a good idea. The last time someone kissed me, says the Red Death, it was the last thing that they did. But was it worth it? Examine Red Death. We'll find out whether it's worth it. Examine Red Death. Garbed in the graves, dirt-bedraggled and worm-eaten habiliments, the Red Death couldn't look more like a corpse if it were displayed on a bier. Crimson drops bead from every pore in its flesh, and bags beneath its eyes have drooped to expose whites thoroughly bloodshot. Well, that's gross. Um... Talk to Red Death. Talk to Red Death. You have a few lines you could recite. Speaking the first word is enough. What are you doing here? Where did you come from? And good night, sweet prince. Where? That's not a very polite way to begin a conversation, says the Red Death with a pout. Just barging around like a reporter asking questions, not even a how'd you do. You have a few lines you could recite. They're the same. What are you doing? Where did you come from? But how do you do is now an option. Oh, how do you do? Very well, thank you, says the Red Death. Although I'm a bit muddled. What are you doing in here? Where did you come from? Why are you feeling muddled? How do you do? And good night, sweet prince. Are your choices? It's up Why? to you, Jenny. Why? (laughs) Why? It's difficult to explain, says the Red Death. I'd intended to make my debut here at midnight, on the very stroke, but for some reason I just cannot put my finger on the time this evening. Is it twelve o'clock or isn't it? Has the hour struck already or hasn't it? There's a muddle if I've ever known a muddle. What are you doing in here? Where did you come from? Why does your schedule need to be so precise? How do you do? Good night, sweet prince. Uh, why? Again. (laughs) 
Why does your schedule need to be so precise? It's only a whim, but I stick to my whims, says the Red Death. The first time I ruined a mask ball, I did it promptly at midnight, and it was a rousing success, as gruesome as you please. You should have seen them running down the halls in such a pandemonium. They didn't know who they'd invited to the party, although they hadn't invited me precisely. But in any event, since then it has become a tradition for me to make my appearance at midnight. I wouldn't have it any other way. What are you doing here? Where did you come from? When did you attend your first mask ball? How'd you do? Good night, sweet prince. Um, do you feel the need to ask where he came from, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's content. Content! Content, yes. Where did you come from? Where did anything come from, asks the Red Death. It's a grand old question, but I'm not in the mood for metaphysical chestnuts tonight. What are you doing in here? When did you attend your first mess ball? How did you do? Good night, sweet prince. I feel like that's oh. an evasion. Yeah. When? When did you attend your first mess ball? At midnight, of course, says the Red Death. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. However, if you meant to ask about the date or the month or the year or even the century, then I am in the foggiest idea. Trifles like that tend to slip through my mind like a sieve. What pointless details. I've never been able to figure out why people are so obsessed with calendars. When you're as experienced as I am, then you'll realize that emotions are what matter. Who hosted your first masquerade? You must remember that, at least. What are you doing in here? How would you do? Good night, sweet prince. Uh, who? Who hosted your first masquerade? Oh, I remember who, certainly, says the Red Death. She was a marquee with a penchant for tormenting chimpanzees. She would buy them in great quantities from local zoos and then subject them to electric plates. On the night that I made my appearance, a guillotine had been erected in order that each party guest might try pulling the lever and decapitating their own ape. The irony is that only people are susceptible to my disease, and when I was through, the surviving chimpanzees had their own party with the corpses. They put the marquee under the guillotine a few times before that evening ended. What are you doing in here? How would you do? Good night, sweet prince. That's what the Peter Gabriel song Shock the Monkey was about. This party. This party. Yep. <laughs> uh, what was the new option? What are you doing in here? How would you do? And good night, sweet prince. Okay, so we're all out of new options. Well, we can ask what are you doing in here again now that we've Yeah, been we polite. totally can. Yeah. That's how it works. You only have to be polite once. Yeah. yeah. Or you have to give a girl one amethyst gem every day. <laughs> what are what? you doing here? That's my is question. That what? 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 I'm here in my usual role as plague bearer, says the Red Death. It's my duty, you see, to travel about the countryside and lay waste to whatever civilizations fall within my pathogenic purview. To be honest, it grows a tad dull once you've been at the job for as long as I have. You've always got your bleeding and your lesions and your vomit. Throw in a few thousand rats here and there, some mass graves, some plague doctors, and every program runs about the same. The Red Death suppresses a yawn with one hand. That's why I like dropping in on masked balls from time to time. An extravagant setting tends to generate more extravagant horror. It's more entertaining for me to watch, although I suppose that it's just as miserable for the participants, no matter what. What do you think about this rumor that's going around? How do you do? Good night, Ooh. sweet prince. 
What do you think about this rumor that's going around? Rumor? What rumor? Asks the Red Death. You explain all about the rumor. Well, when you put it like that, says the Red Death, I should have to conclude that you're the victimized party. However, since you're also the one telling me this story, your account may be biased. I'm afraid I can't give my opinion, except to agree that Onyegin does sound like a bastard. What would you do in my situation? How'd you do? Good night, sweet prince. What would you do in my situation? I would do what I always do, says the Red Death. The answer to everything is wholesale slaughter. You cannot balk at the Countess's challenge. You must throw it back into her face with enough force to bury her six feet underneath the nearest cemetery plot, and ideally in a bloody, unrecognizable mess. How nice. about lending me a hand with the Countess? Good night, sweet oh. oh my gosh. Ryan, I think we've got a fight club situation and we've found our Tyler Durden. That book is inappropriate. <laughs> Um, okay, do we want to do we want to loop in the personification of the plague to help us with our problem? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. I see okay. no downside. How about lending me a hand? Scratching its chin for a moment, the Red Death considers your proposition. You know, it's not a halfway bad notion. I'm in a pickle myself. What with the hours having gone all sideways this evening, but your duel is scheduled for midnight precisely. If I were to pass on my mantle, so to speak then you would know just when to start the ball rolling. And no one, please let me reassure you, survives against my contagion. Your countess wouldn't stand a chance. A ghastly smile creeps across the red get death's face, running from ear to ear, just like a Glasgow souvenir. All right, it says, you've got yourself a deal. But remember, only start infecting people on the stroke. Suddenly, its grave clothes are empty, and after an odd hesitation, they crumple to the carpet leaving you alone once more with only the hourless grandfather clock. Neat. Yeah. See, okay. I think I went down a slightly different path and I did not know that the Red Death would appear. So I kind of jumped the gun by bringing it up. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay I think it's impossible to jump the gun with this game everything's out of order anyway that's true oh. um maybe we should I mean like is this strategy enough for us to go back to the future and we could try it i wonder well, what we what i'll just say you you do have to when you look again in one corner are empty grave clothes oh okay so okay. you're not quite set off to run off thanks for okay. warning us examine grave clothes examine Grave clothes. These blood speckled bandages reek with the disease. It's almost as though someone rotted away wearing them long before they were ever buried. Wear that. Remove Wear. Wear grave clothes. First, taking grave clothes. <laughs> you pinch and lift the grave clothes gingerly, 
could a more repulsive costume be imagined? As you shuffle into the grave clothes after removing your molly, a strange malevolence steals over the scenery. Or perhaps you yourself have become that strange malevolence. Your fingertips drip with infection. Yum. Lick fingertips. <laughs> I don't believe lick is it's not going ooh, to work. Ooh. Kiss fingertips like a Kiss chef. Fingertips. <laughs> Kiss fingertips. That is not in the play script because you are not wearing your motley anymore. Whoa. Right, we can't kiss when we're out of motley. Man. Catch 22. Right. Okay, do you think this is enough to go kill her in the future? Yeah, I just wish I knew how to get to the future. <laughs> well, your commands from the play script are... Oh, Chandler is a good uh, guest. He tells he us what is. the answer is. <laughs> we should have him on again. Future, past, clockwise, counterclockwise, wear undress, and wake up. Let's try wake waking up. up. Yeah, okay. I feel yeah. like that was uttered significantly. <laughs> wake up. You open your eyes on the stroke. How did you ever get into this predicament? A rumor glove thrown down onto a dance floor, and now you're standing in the moonlight, and your knees are knocking together. Although you hope that no one notices, you're still dressed for a masquerade, and nothing feels quite real. Perhaps it isn't real, and all you need to do is wake up from this nightmare. Seen a set landscape garden, to cast your second, Ferdinand hanging your weapon over your rival second, Onegin handing her weapon over, and your rival, the Countess, and guard the Countess cries. Um, so we should touch the Countess. Yes. The word, I think, is actually infect. In well, I would love to check the play script, but then we would lose. <laughs> well, you don't lose, because it doesn't matter. Like, Right, but we have to just, go through the thing again. These are speedrun strats. Yeah. No, I think, uh, you want to touch the Countess. With your disease. Yes. <laughs> well, when you put it like that. Infect is the verb, so. Yeah, yeah. Infect, Countess, yeah. You raise your arm toward the Countess. That's enough. Hey, guys. It's me, Ryan. Um, this is the... Coming up is a gross part. So if you don't want to hear something gross, you should skip ahead to, I think, 43... 50. Okay, bye. She drops her rapier on the lawn. After a moment, blood wells from under her domino mask. Scarlet rivers running down her cheeks. She lifts a hand to pull the mask away, but it doesn't come away. It is stuck, and when she pulls harder, there is a ripping sound. She cannot see what she has done, but around her eyes, the skin has erupted with bubbling lesions like frog eggs or caviar. Now she is screaming. She sees her bloody hand. She knows that she is horribly broken. Meanwhile, more blood is pouring from her every pore, drenching her gown, drenching the grass around her. Her body is melting into blood, her shape dissolving into it, until she is a shrieking heap upon the ground. Her shrieks are in the wind, around the garden, cypresses rustle, and the fountain plashes as both seconds fall, bleeding with her. It is a comprehensive plague. In the palace, guests are falling, too. Their shadows are erratic in the candlelit windows. You cannot picture them as real people. They are puppets, and their strings have just been cut. It is a pandemonium, but it will all be over soon enough. It will end when the last reveler falls in the blood-bedewed halls. 
when the last screams are carried away by the breeze, when the candles blink out one by one as they gutter in wax, and then darkness and decay and the red death will hold illimitable dominion over all. Memento Mori. Would you like to restart, restore, a saved game, quit, undo the last command, view the credits, or look behind the curtain? Sounds like we won. So good. <laughs> uh, I want to look behind the curtain. Curtain. So look behind the curtain. A paleontologist, upon finding a cache filled with dinosaur bones, was pleased to discover that they formed a single specimen, a veritable monster. It went into the textbooks. Not until many years later did other paleontologists begin to poke at the bones and doubt this original configuration. They rearranged the bones into another specimen, and it went into the textbooks instead. Well, it happened again, with reconfiguration after reconfiguration, and new dinosaur after new dinosaur. The poor textbooks were panting to keep up. Finally, the paleontologists were flustered enough to tromp back and examine the cache's location, which happened to be on a farmer's property. When they consulted the farmer about it, they were told it was a mass grave for chickens. This game has no optimal ending. It has certain elements, <laughs> weapons, costumes, that can be reconfigured to produce more than 25 different outcomes. Wow. Some involve violence, others do not. You can change what happens to suit your preferences. All endings will lead you here, behind the curtain. So and now, now you can restart, yes. restore, blah, blah, blah. Jenny. Yeah. I would rather make Chandler talk more about this game than find more endings. Yeah. People uh, people can go have their own fun yeah. finding their own endings. They can do yeah. whatever they want, but we, only we, have Chandler on our podcast. That is so true. We can make him say whatever we want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's tell. He Chandler has what to, to do, do it. Yeah. Yes. I love this plan, Ryan. Okay. Uh oh. <laughs> I feel cornered. <laughs> the tables have turned. Yes. Okay. Um, Chandler, talk. Talk. I think I just fulfilled your request. <laughs> What would you like me to talk about? Um, this sounds like a game that would be impossible to write. It was not. It's written. I don't know what makes you think it would be impossible to write. I can't. I can't. I, I honestly can't imagine doing something with twenty-five endings. Yeah, I think it actually has more than 30. The thing is like the code was so well it wasn't that it was disorganized but I would write different actions can trigger endings at different times so they're mm. placed around in the code differently and when I was trying to count them up I kept miscounting them. Wow. So I'm not really sure how many there are winning endings. I don't know how many losing endings there are. Like I, th I think you can get the Countess to stab you hundreds of different ways, but it's generally <laughs> the same, cl or close to the same text. This is infuriating. It's too good. <laughs> it was something that sort of just grew 
as I wrote it. Mm-hmm. I But was, you went into it expecting to write something with a lot of possibilities, right? Well, originally I was going to write this as a one-move game. Okay. And I realized when I was writing it that I really just... There's something about that mechanic that rubs me wrong. I... I was trying to write this game to write a one-move game that would like satisfy my itch for what I thought a one-move game should be, mm. and I couldn't do it. So I, I ended up opening up the game, and that's when I realized you could have a one-move game by changing the configurations and coming back into it. So it got bigger, and then I had to rein it back in. Like, there are, I think, um, four weapons in the game, and three are, yeah, yeah there, there might only be three costumes. So it's not really as sprawling as it might appear. I think it, it seems sprawling, or it has so many endings because even though you have just those few variables, you can attack all sorts of different things. You don't have to focus on the countess. Sure. Um, and what you, the costumes give you different verbs. So that's really where it got tricky, trying to nail down each spot and make sure something was written for every noun mentioned in the text for every winning ending. And then you do that, and then you see how many endings you have as a result. So I didn't plan them out just kind of wrote them and let it take it Taylor did you use a spreadsheet no wow missed opportunity yeah perfect spreadsheet opportunity listeners I don't know if I have any pull with you guys can make you do things (laughs) but one thing you could do for me is make a spreadsheet of this game yeah trying to imagine what that would even look like probably pretty cool and i would be really appreciative if you use different colors for the cells yeah uh conditional formatting yeah i love conditional formatting. isn't it great it's so good although i will say i like the idea of not knowing how many endings are myself that does kind of add something Yeah. yeah yeah And I sort of also like that you can never know for sure how many there are because it means you really do stop when you want to stop. Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, I have to find all these endings on this checklist. Mm. It's, I now understand the story well enough that I feel comfortable stopping. That's so legit. Yeah. And I think in a lot of spaces, it's really hard to um, make a game like that where you really don't know what the possibility space is. And ironically, in this game that ostensibly tells you everything you can do and seems very limiting... um, manages to use that 
to create a space where we don't know what's possible. And we're so actually stupid. <laughs> was there anything uh, behind the thought process of doing like the X and Y axis of past and future and then clockwise and counterclockwise? Because that's, that's a configuration I've never seen before. Let me explain. Chandler, if I may. You may. Chandler just doesn't like compass directions because he's a bigot. <laughs> and so he'll do whatever it takes to avoid using compass directions. And he uh, writes these withering reviews of any game that does. And I do not then write he, reviews. because he's so poisoned against these <laughs> compass directions, when he takes it upon himself that to write a game that involves actions other than entering things, he has to contort himself into these crazy nonsense terms like counterclockwise and expect <laughs> us to think that that represents space in any meaningful way. Now, Chandler, counterpoint. Well... The last game I wrote, Eat Me, has compass directions. It placed second in I have comp, so I think it did well enough with compass directions. Yeah, but what if it placed I don't always compass directions? Maybe. See, it's that compass that's holding me back. Yeah. I also just don't think compass directions matter. Yeah, I do hate them. Um, they... I do not I have no grasp on compass directions in real life. And when I need to do it, like try to plot things out in a compass in a game, I can never hold it in my head anyway. So it doesn't help me navigate because I can't remember that something's east or north. And it's just as confusing for me as moving into the future, the past would be for someone else, on top of it feeling totally disjointed with what's happening in most games where you know the character is not running around thinking, oh, now I'm going to walk south into the bathroom. Now I'm going to turn <laughs> northeast toward the this, this sink. Like, no one does that, and yet you have these compass directions just ingrained in the navigation for most Parser games. And Yeah, they, they, they work, but they are always clunky for me. I've never played a game with compass directions where they have not been clunky. And in a game like this, you really just don't need them because you're not moving through a normal environment. You are moving through connected scenes that are well, stacked up. And, and it allows time, actually, to... Like, you guys probably only explored a third of the map, but if you actually think about what scenes are in the future, in the past, or clockwise or counterclockwise in relation to each other, on the map, you can actually structure how the evening of the mask ball unfolded okay. out of sequence. Well, that's rad. Um, yeah. So I don't think, yeah, it's it's not, um, I wouldn't say I'm contorting myself into a knot, although I can, I can pinpoint the exact moment when I knew I wanted to use future and past was when you, you go into the ballroom and you can see the countess on the staircase in the future. And you go into the future and she's not there anymore. But you can go back into the past and then you can see her. She's still there. By having this navigation system that is based on time instead of place, 
you can present things right in front of the player's eyes and then keep them permanently out of reach. So if something feels like it's always attainable and then it's not, it just slips away, it slips away. That is very cool. And we love doing that to players, preventing them from reaching what they want. <laughs> yes. Or achieving any sort of catharsis. That's what it's all about, right? You guys are like the opposite of cake. That's true. Well, if we were a cake that you ate, then we wouldn't be around anymore. Oh, I, I, yeah, I guess that's the whole meaning behind that expression about cake. That's why I will never write a game that tells the player to eat me. Yeah, you did write a game with literal cake. Yeah, devil's food cake and angel's food. Yeah. I was trying to think if there's Lots devil's food in this game. Hmm. Well, there are oysters. Yeah. <laughs> this is another thing with interactive <laughs> fiction authors where they love to write about disgusting food. They love to get your mind's mouth all over these morsels of <laughs> slimy <sighs> sous vide stuff. Oh. Yeah. Although I, I don't that, think you can eat the oysters. I think that uh, Brian would agree with me that the new guard of interactive fiction authors is a bunch of gross weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah? Jenny? Gross weirdos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was the other thing I wanted to say? Yeah. Slimy sous vide oysters. Mm. There was something else I was going to say. Mm. Something about a game. Midnight okay. sword fight. Huh. Jenny, was there something else you wanted to say? Chandler, was there anything that you wanted to volunteer about this game? Volunteer? Um, yeah. Did you do a good enough job, Chandler? Do, do you feel like you got it right? Yes for some things, no for others. I think I would make the endings shorter nowadays. Hmm. I think I would allow you to do more things. Like, there are parts where I know that I could have implemented more for example the countess like if you um she, she's wearing a gown mm -hmm. oh yeah um that's made out of jellyfish and <laughs> if you attack the gown and you attack her like you can get different descriptions of her and her gown right but it counts as attacking her, attacking it. And I think if I were oh. to do it again now, I'd actually have it be where you can attack the jellyfish and they will electrocute her or something like that. But when I was pressed to try to finish it for the deadline, there were many places like that where I felt, no, it's it's better to just roll these synonyms together. So mm -hmm. I, there are a lot of spots like that around. Like, I know I could have done it better. And yeah, tightened up the writing. Mm -hmm. Because those endings were just, it's like, I have this, I know I have to write this, write it. 
write it, write it, write it. it so it didn't go through as much editing as it really should have. Mm. See, that's my strategy is you never give yourself a deadline and then the unreleased game that you never finish is always perfect. <laughs> perfect in your mind. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> perfect and unborn. Yep. Yeah, but you have to let it walk out there and fall over a few times. Yeah, Gross. like a dumb baby bird. This is what I'm saying. You guys are gross. <laughs> gross, though. That's uh, that's good. Gross weirdos. Gross I mean, weirdos are good. Sous vide baby bird. Oh, man. you got to hide your face from God if you're going to eat a sous vide baby bird. It's walking around still after falling over. Oh, so I know sous vide stuff is probably fine. I just can't get behind it conceptually. Are you worried I... that our f people listening to the podcast are going to hear you judging the sous vide food <laughs> and angrily like? Because I know that's what I, when I that's when I hit that button. Skip forward fifteen seconds. I hear <laughs> an opinion that not necessarily an opinion I don't disagree or an opinion I disagree with, but an opinion I don't need to hear over and over again. Tap 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 tap. Until we're way past it. That's what they're doing right now. Listening to me describe the thing that they already know they do. They don't need to hear this. Nope. But they're mad at you because you badmouthed sous vide food preparation method. I am, am going to get a lot of tweets in defense of the cooking method of allowing things to sit in a warm Ziploc bag. <laughs> Specifically oysters and baby birds. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what's been criticized. Everyone's going to come to the defense of sous vide baby oh, birds. I love sous vide baby birds. We had, on a different podcast, we had a sous vide cake or something. Was that with Bruno? Did yeah. we already have the sous vide conversation? Yeah, I, I was trying to think. I, I That's probably, the, yeah, the one with that dinner party. I should listen to that again and find out if my opinion about sous vide food is consistent. I think so, yeah. Okay, good. You you and Bruno were going on about how gross <laughs> it was, and I was like, if I don't say anything, then they're not going to know that I have no opinion. I'm too <laughs> dumb to even know what sous vide is. It's when you it's when you put raw food in a warm bag. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I don't think I've actually eaten sous vide anything, but I remember seeing it done on some cooking shows back in the day, where you put something in a bag like. Vacuum all the air out and then drop it in some water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is like, I do that to fish all the time because it's frozen and then I cook the darn fish. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, I had a question about the game actually. But you might have, it might have, it might be a question that you would have answered in the last, in the scope of the last question. But were there. Were there things that you cut that you wish you had not cut? Or that were are interesting ideas to discuss that maybe you're fine with having cut? Well, apart from individual endings like that, that's probably, those are probably the biggest things. I think there's also... 
a few spots like that, um, you can meet Dimitri and have a, a pretty big conversation with him. And it's, again, a matter of synonyms where a lot of synonyms will link back to the same topic, like mm. he'll say the same thing. And there are certain spots where I would want to go back and expand it more. And I did, actually. This is the second release. There are a few spots I did go back and give him more um, more to say about some things. But I think it's just what you do with every game, that you, you have ideas and you realize, well, it's nice, but it doesn't really need to go in, so you leave it. Or maybe you save it and use it again in another game. Um, but yeah, like as far as full scenes go, I think I'm pretty happy. Like all the main things made it into the story concerning the, the cool. principal characters. Yeah, the the plot. Cool. Yeah. If anything got left out, no, I. Well, there are also a few places that's like. Uh, the implementation slipped past me where I think you can still get some standard inform messages mm. if you poke in just the right way. I tried to get rid of them all, but inform is sneaky like that. <laughs> it always has a response ready. So if you try to write your own tailor-made thing, it's like you can pretty much get it, but then something might get in there, which is good because yep. it, it catches it, right? Like instead of producing an error, but I don't the, know the yeah. program well enough to actually know for sure I have 100% caught all of them. Yeah, it's like 99% you're writing in character voice and then suddenly you're a smoky Englishman from 1996. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and when I started writing, I thought that the, the way to do it was to adopt that Englishman's voice. And if you just sound like that in all the pros of the game, then when there's a default response, it makes sense. And that probably still influences how I write, and that might not be the best thing. <laughs> that snarky English. No, I don't know. I think sometimes it's not as inappropriate. Well, yeah, because it, it the default responses do do a good job of uh, letting you down easy, more or less. Mm. Did they change that one about how your singing is abominable, or is your singing still abominable? I think, th no, they took out sing. It's not a default okay. verb anymore. Huh, they took it out. Yeah. So now, on all my projects since then, I have to re-include sing, and then type in the Enya lyrics. <laughs> So if you type really fast, are you typing Julie Cruz lyrics? No, if you type really slowly. Type really slow. Ah. Ah. Messed up that joke. Let's go back in time. Okay. So oh, wait, if you wait. type really no, slowly. To... Or... Okay. Let me give you. The oh, you say setup. the thing. Okay. Okay. Wait, what? I forgot what it was. Ah, uh, something, something. The... Uh, you always oh, have to yeah. implement sing, and I then you to... type in the. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I have okay. to implement. I have to add sing myself. And then type in the Enya lyrics. So if you type really slowly, are you typing in Julie Cruz lyrics? Hey! hey! Yeah. 
Thanks for coming with me on that journey, guys. A journey through time and space. Through time and space, clockwise and otherwise. And, and clockwise, otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Wittershins. It's true. Oh, man. The thing is, I love compass directions a lot. <laughs> I, I, I hate them. <laughs> how, how can you love them? Oh, love—that's such a strong word. Have I told love. the anecdote? It's not an anecdote, but the fun fact yet that my mom is one of those people who has a compass just like built into her head and always knows which way north is, and didn't understand for most of her life that everybody didn't have a little compass in their head telling them where north is. We have talked about this on the. We podcast have talked about yet. this. I could see it coming up often because we talk about compass directions a lot. I tell you what, Chandler, I wouldn't love them so much if I didn't have a nemesis who hated them. But (laughs) I do, I am fond of um, this kind of clunky, I guess it's a, a bad thing to call it an assumption, but this kind of weird handshake that we have with uh the format and it's i i'm not opposed to removing compass directions although i think that um sometimes they're removed when they don't need to be hey ryan yeah when we were playing Um, that game were you mapping the space in your head and like assigning arbitrary compass directions to past future and clockwise, counterclockwise, because I definitely was. Oh, no. I wasn't. Because I have too much respect for Chandler as an author. As an <laughs> artist. If he wants to model his world in that way, I'm not going to impose my version of it on his work. That's disrespectful. That's <laughs> it was just frankly an automatic evil. process. You are your mother's daughter. I know it's awful. Yeah, I, I think I also I just well, I've heard people say right, like they sit down to play a parser game with their pen and paper ready to make the map. Okay, like that's just what you do. So I don't know what what a comparison would be. Well, it's what like they you. do. Yeah, but I think it, I wonder if that's the normal thing that most people do. Like they just go into it with this expectation that I'm going to map this. Mapping with a compass is the main is one of the main pleasures of this game, and I get to make a map with a compass. And for me, I just don't. I've never done that. I don't do it i don't have the expectation that i should do it so i don't try to deliver that experience for other people but then if someone sits down with a pen and paper to play one of my things then they're disappointed (laughs) because they're they're all ready they have their paper right there they're ready and then okay but uh, they can't do they can't do it so they're that's false i I get that let down that's false for this game it's false because if you if you have the the 
mind that needs to draw a map for a mansion or whatever, um, then you're going to have to draw a map of this game and you're going to just write past, future, clockwise, counterclockwise on the map so you know what it's like. So it ends up being the same thing. But you'll grumble to yourself because you'll think, oh, what am I... <laughs> I'm used to putting north at the top of the paper, and now I just have to arbitrarily put the past up there. Well, you can accuse those people of being grumbly grouches, but I won't. I, I here on the record say that those people may or may not be grumbling. Yeah. And if they choose you know, they to only... grumble, that's okay. And if they're not grumbling, that's also okay. And I'm nice. You know, the only thing that makes me grumble when I'm making a paper map in a game that is designed for me to make a paper map is if somebody includes, like if there's an exit forwards from a room and then you try to go backwards and there's suddenly like a surprise room in between. Yeah, when has that ever things... Oh, that would be neat <laughs> to go. Yeah, so you go north and you then you go south and you're in a different room. And then when you try to... So you can just never, ever map the area. I like that. That would be pretty uh, now, wait. to so, actually subject someone to a game like that. Okay. Jenny, how about this? Yeah. Okay, wait. I have to... I have to... All right. Say you're at point A. You go north from point A... And the game says that the road curves around. Now you're mm -hmm. in a new area. And if you go south from that area, you're going, you know, on a road south from there. But you came in from the west of that area. So it's not that the map is actively screwing with you. It's just that now you're in a different place. You're not straight north of where you were. Sure. Is that allowed? Just anything, anything that makes it harder for me to draw my little waffle and makes me have to erase my little waffle is upsetting. It's cute that you call it a waffle. <laughs> do you have to go, Jenny? I, I probably should go. Should go do linear algebra. Okay. How about yeah. nonlinear? Uh, storytelling. That too. Yes, not nonlinear algebra. Linear. Thank I wish you. I had to go do something. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chandler, for appearing. Yay! On Clash of the Titans. Thanks for having me again, guys. It was. It was, uh, it was something. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I had a lot of fun, and I hope you had a lot of fun. Jenny, you yes. and I did have fun. <laughs> and Chandler got to tell us what to do which apparently isn't fun at all so I feel bad it's not I, I guess I'm being told that it wasn't fun <laughs> oh man is that jeez I don't want to end the podcast on this note <laughs>